the broadcast, the biggest podcast in Vancouver, pretty much. We participate in light misandry. Get out of here with that. <laughs> Sexism. All of our societal structures are designed in ways to inherently prejudice women. Coach's Corner was kind of like my bathroom break. I don't like to be bamboozled. I think it's amazing what you guys are doing. I mean, I'm having a lot of fun. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the broadcast. I have not hosted this. This is Sam. I have not hosted in so long that I don't know if I remember how to host. I also currently have my child strapped to me, but she's passed out. So we'll see how this goes. I think the last Um, time you hosted was pre-baby. Yeah, I think so. Wild. Yeah, super wild. She's also been like super fussy today, so she may start screaming at any second. Hopefully not. <laughs> uh, so highs and lows this week. Uh, the the high is incredible. Um, thank you listeners for coming through. You will remember that last week we asked you guys to send us your stories of horniest, mm-hmm. horniest arenas. And one of you actually did. And our high this week is the person who DM'd us to tell us about their friend having sex in the saddle dome. And <laughs> which we Mallory. did say, we did say was a very horny arena. Yeah. It proved us right. That's even, that's what makes it even better is it proved us right. And also it's, it's, a it's great glorious. Story. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm actually just going to read it because they didn't say not to. So fair game it says <laughs> I went to a game. I went to a game at the Saddle Dome with a friend. Midway through the first period, he said he met someone on Grinder who was also at the game and was going to go say hi. He came back at the beginning of the third period. I think he forgot he told me he met someone. And when I asked him where he went, he said, oh, just the bathroom. This is so, fantastic. That's glorious. Incredible. We, Show-stopping. We need more of these stories. People yeah. send us send us this stuff. Send it, keep sending us your horny arena stories. Uh, we appreciate that. Also, Jeannie and Alex Kachinyak doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> we already know that one, so send us something else. He got annoyed because he was like, I said something about how the Boston Garden or whatever, TD Garden or whatever, is like so horny and has been since like the late 60s. And he was like, they rebuilt it. I'm like, oh my God. It has the same vibes. It has an energy. Yeah. Exactly. Anyway, that's a correction that'll make. <laughs> sort of begrudgingly sort of. yeah we, we begrudgingly put in corrections usually <laughs> yeah. if we're wrong we're just wrong and we're just dealing with it he doesn't even listen to the podcast but he heard us talking and he's like i need you to know <laughs> like you're a loser whatever rude yes exactly um the other high is we asked last week for the first time for people to go give us ratings on spotify and uh, we have 37 five-star reviews. So thank you to the 37 of you who have done that already. And if you haven't done it yet, please go to Spotify and give us five stars. Um, if you're on Apple and you haven't left us a review yet, please leave us a review. We love getting them. And if you have any constructive feedback, uh, we would love to hear it. If you send me rude feedback, I am now irritable enough that I probably will read it and be super mean about it on air. So also feel free to do that. Give us also, the content. I also say another high was um, someone is writing an article about Billa families and DM'd us to ask us for our citations for Ruslan Fedotenko marrying his Billa mom. And it was a real high of my life when I realized the work we've done. 
we do actually have the citations, but we lost them because I remember I was really went full crazy. And I do remember looking up her voting records. We were on Florida Road. We definitely had her voting records. But I went back and listened to the episode because I was like, oh, I wonder how, uh, how it sounded and like what we actually referenced. Uh, and it was very funny. So if anyone wants to go back and listen to us discuss Ruslan Benedenko marrying his billet mom. We did a whole bit about him being like this Ukrainian farm boy and like there was nothing to do in fucking Sioux City or Sioux Falls or wherever. <laughs> anyway, I digress. That was also a high of the week. Uh, do we have any lows this week? I don't have a low this week. It's been a good week. I mean, other than like the usual NHL racism or hockey racism, but like we'll save that for later. <laughs> We, we have no personal lows. Uh, lots of fun hockey going on. Lots of white dudes on skates running into each other at full speed. Let's do that hockey. Come on. Uh, okay. Moving into sports. Um, Canucks made some big and different moves this week. Uh, they hired friend of the podcast, Rachel Dory, as a anal- member of their analytics team. And also they hired Emily Castingay as the first female AGM in Canucks history. Uh, and I think only the second woman AGM in NHL history, which like is super cool, but also it's fucking 2022 and <laughs> that's pathetic. Um, what are your thoughts on these hires? I think so. One thing I'll also add is she's the first AGM since like the late nineties, um, which is kind of crazy that, uh, I think her name is Angela Gorgone. Could be Gorgoni. I'll say Gorgone. People can correct me. Um, broke through, uh, with the ducks and had worked with a bunch of teams and was like a prominent member of scouting departments. Uh, and then there was just nothing after that, which I think is really interesting. And she also, I think there was like one article from the hockey news about her and then kind of nothing. So it was just interesting to kind of hear her name come back up. Um, I think the moves are exciting. Like we talked about the Rachel one on um, our bonus pod for the Patreon because it had just happened when we recorded. And I think um, that like, that's obviously exciting and it's nice to have uh, someone who really wants to be here and is highly intelligent and has done a lot of work in analytics, joining the other members of the team who are still there, uh, including people like Ryan Beach, et cetera. And I think for the casting gay hire, I, this is, people tweeted this and I think it's really true. Like what happens when you're able to, or when you kind of move outside the boundaries of the traditional construct of who can be a member of an NHL front office, AKA a white male who used to play hockey or is friends with someone who used to play hockey. Um, You are suddenly, you suddenly have like the cream of the crop people to choose from because no one else is paying attention to them. And I think that point is really important. And um, the people who made that point, A plus. Um, And then also you get someone who is coming from the player agent side, but also played in the game 
um, but coming from the player agent side and is really pushing this desire to create like a holistic environment, which reminds me a lot of the Mike Gillis kind of initiatives, which was make Vancouver a desirable place for people to play. And then also a space where you can have players excel. And obviously her kind of drive to do that comes from representing a lot of players and knowing that side of it. But I think that's super important, particularly in this day and age um, in understanding that people play their best when they're like happy and they're enjoying coming to work. Uh, and then it's just like watching casting gaze press conference and her speaking about what she wants for the Canucks and all this kind of stuff. Like all I can think about is just how night and day this is to the wise broad and Benning era, which the rumors were abound about players being feeling separated from the management, not really knowing what's going on, particularly during the pandemic and the first COVID uh, breakout that they had or outbreak breakout outbreak that they had. And so you just hope that they, that this kind of fixes a lot of those problems. Like I could see someone like Elias Pettersson who has been struggling this year, being in an environment where it's so player focused, doing a lot better than uh, being feel I, I don't know, just like the vibe that he has. I don't know. I, I feel like that's a lot better. So I'm really excited about that hire. Um, same as the Alvin hire. I think um, that one's a little bit more like, okay, he's known Jim Rutherford forever. <laughs> and but he is that, kind of not as traditional. I mean, no, 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 it's still progressive. And I think, yeah. Like, and I'm mean, definitely out of like the fact that he's European, which isn't like, it's very funny that hockey has made it so we're like, well, he's European, so that's different. But like Don Cherry, like hated Europeans. Like that's how regressive hockey is. Yeah, um, yeah. Has been so it is actually very interesting, and I think that also it's funny to keep up the sweet affection in Vancouver. I was just gonna say, I yeah, I'm. George has kind of said everything that I thought about the hires. I the one thing I really liked about the Emily Cassingay hire was like watching her former clients come out and be so excited for her and like saying that this was a good hire for the Canucks. Like, I don't think you see that very often. Um, and I, I've said this before, but I think hiring a former agent to be in your front office is always a good idea because, you know, we talk about Mike Gillis and like doing innovative things that are like Georgia said, more player focused um, and not just like from a money perspective or like the cliches, but like actually making an environment for players where they can perform to, to the best of their abilities. Like, I don't, I think it's been a long time since anyone's said, you know, this is a first class organization where you want to be there and hopefully they get back there. Cause that was the thing about the Gillis era, like all this stuff whether it was the sleep doctors or the chefs or like trying to, yeah, just like upgrading stuff. And I think Jim Rutherford mentioned today that they're going to try and build a new practice facility. They're going to try and um, they're going to try and do some different stuff with Abbotsford to try and upgrade that kind of stuff. So that's another thing where um, you want that. And like to get to the business side, you have to do that because we have higher taxes. It's the Canadian dollar versus the U S dollar here. So trying to get people to come here, particularly free agents, that's what Gillis did 
to kind of counter that situation a little bit. And, you know, players always talk about how much they love Vancouver. Um, and so you want that to trickle into not just the city itself, but how the team is run. And I think like, and then the, the other thing about the casting gate hire, which is crazy, is just the whole story about her sister dying and like the last words that she said to her were like you're going to be the gm of the vancouver canucks one day and then her making a vision board which is very broadcast like broadcast like um and it saying that she was going to make it to vancouver like when she was 38 and she's turning 38 in like a month which is like that's so nuts it's crazy Um, but yeah i don't know it's just it's exciting and i think she's just the best person for the job. Like, that's the thing. And I don't like, it's exciting that she's a woman, obviously, but like, she's also just the best for the job. And so it's finally nice to see people recognizing that, like that, not holding them back, I guess. And like, shout out to Jim Rutherford, I guess, for being like (laughs) randomly this guy, (laughs) but I don't know. You hope it keeps happening. They interviewed four women. So um, and they're apparently going to hire at least one. one more. Yeah, post Olympics. Who knew? France was saying. Yeah, I did not expect this from the Vancouver Canucks. Who knew you could hire more than one woman at a time? Yeah, Shocking. That's what was so funny about the Rachel Dory hiring um, it was that everyone was like, "Oh, so the AGM's not going to be a woman then?" Because they hired. It's like woman. you're allowed to hire more than one. Did you know? <laughs> and I think like. Um, it is a definitely a progressive moment. And I, I mean, when Kessinger answered the question, she answered it from a very, like, not taking gender into account kind of viewpoint and that's her prerogative or whatever, but it's obviously a big moment. And then you hope that, um, we can get women of color also into the organization in the front office. Um, there's people who work in the organization, obviously who are women of color, but having them be involved in the front office or analytics uh etc that would be really nice to see um in the organization no the other thing that sam was mentioning about all the players being really excited for her antoine Roussel was very cute about it he was just so excited for her and it's really sweet i think um daniel wagner might have talked to him or maybe it's pj but it was just really cute um and nice to see it made me miss him and his cat <laughs> a lot <laughs> And his maple syrup business. Okay, so having hired Rachel and Emily Cassingay, and on the heels of the incredible Jim Rutherford press conference today, where he basically said he wants to create cap space and that he needs to make a bunch of moves to the team for them to actually be a contender, which like, hmm, who knew? Uh, what do you think the vibes of the Canucks are for the rest of the season? It's open season, baby, and I love it. (laughs) I'm like, God, please just trade people. Just trade them away. Do it. We have, like, no draft picks. And you just hired a bunch of people who are, like, like, your new GM is known for scouting. Um, And, like... So is Jim Benning. Yeah. But, like... (laughs) Like, give us, get us draft picks, get us draft picks, trade away, trade away the stuff that we don't need or that you can kind of trade high on. And whether that's 
<laughs> sobs Tyler Mott or yeah I was gonna say Tyler Myers I know we talked about this last but like still we talked about this last week but do you feel as if they're because you were claiming Tyler Mott was is anyone off limits do you think that like the like core there is a core that needs to be like maintained I think you're not trading Quinn Hughes okay and or Thatcher Demko and that would be my no trades that would be your no trades I think that I think that if you can get a like a really big return, it's worth it to trade Bo. But I don't think you can get that much for him. Actually, I don't know. I think his um, his contract might be expiring soon. Hmm. Um, his and JT Miller's expire at the same time. I think. Uh, okay. Well, obviously, like you can get more for JT Miller than you can Bo, but um, yeah. I also think that like. Obviously, he's, like, very talented, but I also think that there is, like, a surplus of players that are similar-ish to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he so. expires after next season. Okay. Yeah, I think – I'm with George. I don't think you trade Demko or Hughes. I'm on the fence about Petey. I don't think they will. I think they'll consider him untouchable. Whether or not he should be is a different question. Um, but I think the upside and like what he did in his first two seasons is like too tempting for them to trade him at this point, because if he ends up going back to form, which like he's started to like, mm-hmm. yeah, his goal last night was really nice. It will be, they will be in so much shit forever, but those are, I think those are really the only untouchables. Yeah. So Brock's uh, contract expires after this season too. So they're going to have to resign in. Um, yeah, I just think like. At this point, I'm I like I won't be upset. Like I'll obviously be like, oh, okay. If you trade like Huglander or put Coles in, like it could be like, oh yeah, that sucks. Like there are good young players or whatever, which is like why I would hope they don't trade them. But also like if that's what it takes to kind of trade or get more from a trade, like I don't I don't care. <laughs> I think it's also there's something about like the fresh start of the new regime that kind of makes it. Like we want to talk about vibes or whatever, like it just like spring cleaning kind of <laughs> like, let's just, let's, let's start again. Let's go. Um, we have to build our farm system up. Like we don't have really like a, our HL team is pretty sparse um, for depth too. So just like building that back up will be a good idea, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Quinn Hughes, Thatcher Demko, that's about it. And we'll see that they have like a couple months to figure out what they want to do. So exciting times and like actually exciting because you might have competent management, not like exciting times with Jim Benning where it was like, fuck, what's going to happen next? What bad contract are they going to sign next? Uh, Speaking of depleted farm systems and prospects, the Canucks goaltenders all got covid that was Halak, Demko, and then Spencer Martin. And it ended up forcing Mikey DiPietro to start. That's the second time in his career that he's just been thrown to the wolves by the Canucks. Although this one was... This one was probably, a lot less bad for him. Yeah, this was a lot less bad for him. Um, and it wasn't like last time where they just hadn't signed an AHL goaltender, so they had to play him. Um, but he played, he started, and they had to use their emergency backup goalie 
Rylan Toth, who is a UBC Thunderbird. Um, where do you think Ebonks rank in sports weirdest rules and traditions? Like the concept of just some random person. I think it's so funny. in the crowd. It's so funny. It's like what I was trying to think of like other sports that kind of have wild stuff like this. Like, I don't know, like if, if all of your quarterbacks get injured, I think you just have to play like, like one of your receivers has to turn into a quarterback or like, cause it's such a unique position. And like in baseball, you have 6 billion pitchers. So like, you can't actually, you can't actually do anything. Um, or, or, weirdest or your it comes up frequently. Yeah. Like or it, your it doesn't player. come up often enough. It's not like a super like weird rule. It's like, Oh, well you're like not allowed to like, like the thing about like being a switch hitter versus a like pitcher that throws both ways. Like you can't just stand back there and just like switch back and forth. Like they make you commit. Yeah. Like, and they did that. Cause like one thing happened like once or something. And there's like a bunch of rules where it's like one thing happened once. So we like made this rule kind of, but like, Ebugs come up a fair amount. I mean, like every couple of years. But I just think so. it's so funny because they could play for either team. So like Ryland oh, yeah, I love is that. the is the normal, I think he's the normal ebug or like one of the, I don't know, rotating ebugs or whatever, because he has to play for the Thunderbirds. Shout out UBC. Just kidding. This school is slowly murdering me. Um, but so he could have like if if enough people get injured or whatever, he would have to play for the other team or he could play for the Canucks. Like, that's what I think is so wild. And obviously that's what happened with um, David Ayers. David Ayers is like, he's there for like, he's from Toronto, he's in Toronto, but he's then suddenly playing for Carolina. So like, that's what I think is so wild. It's It really is one of the wildest things in sports. Yeah, the big one, like before, obviously David Ayers was the Scott Foster one that everyone loved. And like, that was just like, also, it's also something that's like, usually like a big story, especially if they are like, not just a college hockey player. Mm-hmm. Like if it's just some guy who plays a rec league, <laughs> it's why it's like so funny. Cause it gives it so much more of the air of literally just taking some dude off the street. Which is truly amazing. And may, may in fact be what Buffalo has to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No the devils also that. don't have any goalies. So and no one has goalies. This is the thing. No about one has COVID. goalies. This is also because Sam and I, I feel like we're talking about this about, <laughs> I mean, maybe we even just talked about this on another episode, but we were talking about how there hasn't been like a, like goalie that people want their kids to, kids want to be like, and also mm-hmm. kids, parents don't want to pay for their kid to be a goalie. Yeah. So we yep. just think that there aren't that many goalies right now. And that's why I actually do wonder if, the first woman to play in the NHL will just ha- like, will be like a goalie. Isn't that what Manon Riom did anyway? Yeah. Like, but that was in a, um, uh, I think they just, I actually, I don't know. People can correct me. I thought it was like a kind of like an ad, like a publicity kind of thing. Yeah. That makes in sense. In a preseason game. But like, well, with, it's kind of like the so same thing where I definitely think the first game you're going to run out of goalies. Yeah. <laughs> and like, they're 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 better than David Ayers like I'm sorry (laughs) but like I I do wonder if that's will happen but also it has to take for the goaltending trend to like get a little shorter 
instead of them all being like six foot. Seraphs is having a great year. He's having a great year. No, I know. And like Mikey D. Petro is quote unquote short. He's six feet tall. (laughs) So, (laughs) I mean, there have been lots of short goaltenders, just not in a long time. Yeah, I know. Cause the trend started being these like Viking men. (laughs) Jacob Marks. You say Theros is allegedly 5'11 and everyone knows that sports stats are padded. So so he must be 5'10. That's amazing. He's, he might win the Vesna. Sloan is having a meltdown on Sam. (laughs) Motherhood. What a joy. Going into 100% less entertaining and fun topics. Um, and I guess kind of our low for the week. Like a, it's been a bad week um, in the AHL and ECHL. Um, and the CHL. like large, just hockey in general. Yeah, <laughs> it's been a bad week in the NHL. Just like probably. Yeah. Not that we actually are acutely aware of at this moment, but just probably. <laughs> um. So basically, there was um, in an ECHL game which is like double a for hockey essentially it's not actually i think it's a false initialism i don't think it even stands for anything but it's like under the ahl east coast so yeah well i don't think it actually is anymore i don't think it's not the east i have no idea that's what i'm saying <laughs> that's what i'm saying okay anyway cody's gonna yell at us again for not knowing what i'm so least. sorry all we I'm know so we know baseball sorry. okay <laughs> I'm like, yeah, just comparing to baseball. And you're like, this is a hockey podcast. You guys should not be using comparing things to baseball. <laughs> it's fine. Continue, continue. Okay. Somebody did a racist gesture at Jordan Subban, who um, is a black player. He's PK Subban's uh, brother. And um, former Vancouver Canuck, Jordan Subban. Yes. Former Vancouver Canuck as well. Um, it was just during like a like scuffle on the ice, like, you know, just general happenings after the whistle um and basically the he got banned like for two games initially suspended for two games and a lot of the language that was like surrounding it was very very wishy-washy I mean like very much like language that it was like obviously like alleged as in like just like lawyer terms situation but like alleged racist incident or like scene that could be viewed as racist like very much going around the entire thing and not just calling it what it was um then after backlash he was let go of from the team anyway okay so basically all the language about it and people were upset as he was suspended for only two games um then he was let go from his team and the ECHL did put out a like small letter of that was condemning him. Um, generally, just kind of more of the same. Like it, it, it's kind of just like another racist incident that happened to a black player, and it played out somewhat better than usual. As in, like he actually did face some consequences, but it still seemed kind of like your run of the mill situation where they kind of tap him on the wrist about it um and also the whole like defense of it or whatever is like claiming that it was something else claiming that it was like not his character or whatever that he didn't intend for this to be whatever and i don't know yeah so basically like 
what happened? Oh, and this is also off the heels of um, uh, Boko Imama in the AHL. Um, another player did a racist gesture to him during a game. Uh, he ended up being uh, the guy who played for the Barracuda. Um, San Jose's farm team ended up getting suspended, I think, for 30 games. Um, so that happened. And then uh, this is also like Willie O'Ree just got voted to get like a Congressional Medal of Honor and got his jersey retired in Boston. So it was kind of a weird moment to to be celebrating someone like breaking the like being the first black player in the NHL and then these incidents happen. So that happened. And then this one happened. Um, and Jacob Panetta, who plays for the Jacksonville Iceman, uh, is the person who instigated and did the gesture, which was filmed. The reason we know about this is like with everything that has to do with um, people of color experiencing racism, because we can't just trust them that's not how society works, it has to be not just on film, but it has to be filmed at every single fucking angle. <laughs> and like, that's ridiculous to start with, but. Um, I mean, it was, it was filmed and you still have like Ken Campbell and Michael Trikos being like, I think this could be misinterpreted. Like if Jordan Subban is to be believed, it's like, yeah. uh, you don't need to do that. Yeah. And the, so he did what he says is doing a strong man gesture, but J Jordan Subban said he was making monkey gestures to him. And that's what Jordan Subban saw. And that's what happened. <laughs> like there's no other way to kind of interpret that. Um, and he immediately uh, started kicking the shit out of him. And then they got kicked out of the game, I think. And then he like tweeted at the Jackson the Iceman Twitter account to be like, he was being racist. So I punched him uh, when they were saying there was like a fracas at the end of the game. And then uh, PK Subban did a whole like Twitter thread about it. And that's how this story kind of broke. And then um, I think like two days later, Panetta released like a notes app apology, but in video form where he like essentially read off a statement and then also his rant, like randomly, his cousin is Andrew Shaw, who, if people remember, did like homophobic slurs <laughs> um, yeah, in the NHL, like, which is not a great character for this. <laughs> saying the F slur in the box on film and then um, also being the Black Hawk. Actually, I think he was the Habs. Um, hockey is for everyone, rep. Yeah, so. which is wild. Um, and then, yeah, these these stories started coming out because he, so he claimed he was doing something else. And I think the bigger issue is, so the Tracos piece is pretty wild because he, he, he so, he, he touches on what you want, what you're like, no, that, that is, that is what sh it should be, which is where he has these sentences where he's like, Jordan Subban, like experienced, that was racism. Like he experienced that. That's how, that's, that's what happened that's that's all that matters and then goes on to try and fucking create a redemption arc around Jacob Panetta and you're like what are you doing you're undermining this whole thing that you're apparently trying to write which is just like oh my god like stop doing this um because it doesn't matter 
the reason, like, I think the, the bigger thing and like, you know what, we're not the greatest experts to talk on this. None of us are black. Uh, and, but I think the thing is, it doesn't matter if it was intended to be racist or not from Panetta. It was like Jordan experienced it and it was, and that's what matters. And then the other thing you have to think about is how normalized that must be in hockey for that, that to like, for him to not be like, who, if I'm making gestures that can be construed of as monkey gestures, like that Panetta wouldn't even think about it. Like, I just, that makes me really mad. And then the other thing is, if you watch the fucking video, people are shouting the N-word. So like, that's what happens on the ice is obviously horrible, but there's a larger micro, like there's a larger, um, bubble that's happening there and there's racism happening there so like that's also part of hockey uh the fans watching so it's uh it's pretty depressing to see to see and we also like the other thing Trikos did in his fucking article was like this is a teachable moment and like we're so past teachable moments like we're so past us having to be like racism is bad every three fucking weeks in hockey like it we've known it's bad for a very long time <laughs> and like like we've known it's, bad for a very long time. it's bad for i mean slightly shorter of an amount of time but they've still been told it's not like like this isn't and and the nhl being like releasing a statement being like we have our resources are available like your resources aren't fucking working like they're not working and you aren't either because you keep trotting out this hockey is for everyone thing to cover up the fact that everyone doesn't include everyone. <laughs> like it doesn't, it doesn't. And you can't keep pretending that it is because that allows you to not do the work to make it a true statement. And it's just like, it's just incredible that in the same week that they're again, marketing themselves off of Willie O'Ree, that this happens. And then, like, nothing's changed. So, anyway, that's my thoughts on the situation. And I just don't think, like, I don't see things really changing. And I think what we saw with the CHL report that came out about the culture of silence. And then today, there's now an investigation in Saskatchewan about a... Uh, I think it's a U15 team uh, yelling racist stuff at an Indigenous hockey team. And so, like, we're, that's where we're at. I was just going to say, um, sorry, I was on, <laughs> for people who are wondering why this is disjointed, <laughs> Sloan just had a meltdown, which is why I was on mute. <laughs> um, but I was going to say, the thing about him saying it was, like, a tough guy gesture, I think Danny at Airsign Menace nailed it. She was like, how are you so culturally incompetent that you don't understand how that would be offensive or could, if what you were doing was the bodybuilder pose, how that could be misconstrued by a person of color. And also the other thing that pissed me off was like his apology, quote unquote, where he's like, I've made that sign towards like non-racialized players. I'm like, what is a non-racialized player? Like, can someone explain this to me? Can you just like... It's not a thing. But the thing is, he can't explain it to you 
because he didn't fucking write that. Like he, I, like I can guarantee you that's the first time he's ever said the word racialized. <laughs> but, the, and I think the thing that like worries me, cause this kind of reminds me of the, um, in some ways of like that, the whole Bubba Watson thing. Um, if you guys remember like in NASCAR where um, he saw like a noose in his, I don't like in the garage. I don't know NASCAR terms, but like it was in the garage. Yeah. And it was like, obviously, that's a horrifying thing as a black man to see due to the history of lynching, et cetera. Um, And then later it was reported that it wasn't, that wasn't actually what it was. And then it became kind of like a thing about um, like boy who cries wolf kind of thing. And that concerns me. And I, you can see people slipping there. And like, I definitely recommend do not go to comment sections. It's not a great place to be um, because people trying to undermine by saying that this is just like, quote unquote, overreacting or that now Panetta is the victim. And it's like, no, 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 no. Because it doesn't matter. Like that doesn't matter. Um, that doesn't change the experience that Jordan Subban went through or invalidate his experience in any way. It doesn't at all, but people don't know how to have that conversation, particularly in hockey, in society in general. And so I just like, I like, I, I, people don't know how to have that conversation. It freaks me out that I that like you can see it sliding that way of like, oh, they're just making it up. Like all this stuff is made up because I know like two people who played hockey and they're not racist. So like no one in hockey is racist. And like, this is just whatever. People making a big deal about something that didn't even happen. You're like, no, it did. It did happen. I saw someone say uh, like, if racism and hockey were actually a thing, it would be like way more rampant and you see way, way more examples of it. I was like, uh, well, there aren't enough like players of color for it to be considered rampant in the way this person was using it. And it's like a super disingenuous argument. It's like- Yeah, it's maybe- a horrible argument because it's like, we don't have enough. Actually, there's not always a person of color on the ice. So well, and then also, if you're looking for it to happen that often, it's because there aren't enough t- for that to happen, which obviously- also- that's why there aren't that many people who play hockey who are people of color because they're dealing with shit like this. And they're like, actually, this is not worth it. Well, and also like, if you ask any hockey player, who's a person of color, they'll be like, yeah, I've experienced racism at like every level. And so like, if you take that sample size and expand it, it's just, yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. We're not like actually here to like argue with that straw man argument, but like, Clearly, clearly it's just like that. It's just an example of how much people do not think. Um, but it's just, yeah, the whole, because you can, you can see it happening. They're like, let's turn that into a victim. Like, blah, 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 blah. It's like, let's not do that. Because that's not what this is about at all. At all. But I, yeah, it's bad. Bad news. Bad news bears. Embarrassing for the NHL. Embarrassing for As usual. Get their shit together at some point. These really are the days of our lives. You don't need that show. It was just a dumb soap opera. I guess we can 
talk about speaking about things that um just wrong the wrong time to talk about things um which does actually link into what we were just talking about um or attempting to talk about and saying that like we're not like I guess like qualified or whatever generally talk about it but um so here's the thing Angela Price who has been beloved before for her um Instagram stories um about vaccination status such things of that nature this wanting is even to, wanting pre- to expose COVID vaccinations children. actually it <laughs> was to expose stuff her about children to COVID <laughs> yeah I mean there was that one about that and vaccination of that but previously she'd also talked about like wanting to have her kids on like their own cycle and we're not sure what's in these vaccines and we need to make sure just a bunch of that like whole like kind of like Christian mommy quote unquote crunchy mama like rhetoric um P.K. Subban was doing a press conference talking about the things that his brother had faced and racism in hockey because he gets stuck doing this all the time. <laughs> um, and he was wearing just a nice suit jacket because he's fashionable and his closet is nice. Angela Price said, where'd you get the jacket? <laughs> On her Instagram story. <laughs> like no other comment. I think she, she actually acknowledged she did she said it's not the time to comment on this but and then just went ahead and did it anyway while in like this is also linked in like the same it wasn't the same chain of stories but it was happening it all it all like linked in like if you went to her stories yesterday where she was like praising the truck convoy that's a white nationalist movement <laughs> And so that was fun Um, that there's just like the fucking, like these people, these people, you can't like, ah, use some critical thinking skills. It's not great. It's not great. And out of things that are killing our critical thinking skills, just generally in the um, soap operas category, um, we all do follow Dupont, unfortunately, even though we have our own opinions about it, which are that it's rotting our brains. I know. But I there was an important... I have an opinion. I only like... The only thing I like is Wednesdays, which are You've Got Mail Days. I don't give a shit about the merchandise. <laughs> oh, I, I get so mad. That, care I don't care about so the fucking that. spotted... I just want to know the gossip, the hot gossip. Yeah, obviously, we just love gossip. We're just there for gossip, and she's not providing enough of it. Um, and so, she's a podcast now. We would like to critique that and overhaul it. Um, we have some constructive criticism. Actually, over the last like couple months, there's been some interesting like hockey gossip dropped in there, which I've deeply enjoyed. And every week, I think I should. Sometimes she does like fill in the blank, and I'll search my emails, and I think that I should just write hockey every week. And see what comes up because there's some good ones. I digress. Today was You've Got Mail on Dumois. Three slides in. We got a banger, folks. Worlds collide. Kristen Cavallari is dating Ryan Johansson, the Nashville Predators. And that is truly worlds colliding because Laguna Beach, which is where Kristen Cavallari made it onto the scene, was formative in my life. And I'm currently rewatching it. Really? And it is 
iconic. I think because it's I'm horrible. younger than you, horrible I was more of the hills. Was. I was more into the hills, but um, oh, I loved Laguna Beach. I loved Laguna Beach. I had a really also just like Alan. great theme song. Great theme song. Season two, the best television ever made. It's so good. It's so good. Okay, one you're saying in that literally the scene where like they drive away and it's just a set like literally is the ethos of like all like reality tv no no but here's the thing that's fascinating about lagoon beach is it's like one of the first ones so it's not as produced like definitely there's less scripted like you can definitely tell that like production people were like uh to the friends like can you just ask about steven so we can get like something and you can tell okay that. obviously i'm literally talking like, about the hills here while you're talking about laguna beach no no, no i know the hills but the I'm thing with the hills like, is they're always on their phone and you can yeah, tell that they're, they're getting, getting texts yeah. as a producer whereas like that didn't happen on that laguna didn't happen beach. on laguna beach and like the quality of the filming <laughs> was like significantly worse and you could it just it feels like a home video yes like it feels so like actual reality and kristen cavallari is horrible she's such a horrible person but i love it because she's just completely real like just totally doesn't care she's like talking about um she was yelling at season two for all our like big fans jump off if you don't care uh <laughs> jessica's dating jason waller at this point and he's like cheated on her a bunch of times and takes another girl to the winter formal even though they're dating whatever chris cavallari is like he's cheating on you jessica's like I don't know because he says all these things and Kristen's like that's what I said when I was cheating on all my boyfriends <laughs> you're like you're a fucking icon <laughs> she just knows she's the hottest girl in school doesn't give a shit and it's just yeah anyway I'm re-watching it I highly recommend it's season two yeah it's so good um season three so is like okay season but one season is, is meh season yeah. two is just such good television and then season three i think they get like new people in it it's not as good anyway she didn't ride your hand and then it became newport beach yes yes but um this is like this is excellent for <laughs> hockey this is excellent for our brains it's just like rubbing like a certain spot like you know like when you like are petting a cat and they like start like really like enjoying it that's on our brains we still don't know why Ryan Johansson called off his wedding to his fiance, and we would like to know. So if anyone knows. If there's any actual drama, if it's just like sad, normal existence, like that's fine as well. But they were like a week away from getting married. Well, I mean, I, well, when I said sad, normal existence, I just meant like just normally yeah, yeah. breaking up with someone in like yes, yes, a yes. normal way. <laughs> we need to know. But now they're dating. So congrats to him, I guess. She has three kids with Jay Cutler. Um, they also had a reality show and he is the weirdest guy. I've seen clips and he's just like, he's like a house husband. He's very like the OG, like what Caitlyn Jenner was on Keeping Up With Connections in the early years. Like, like just has that vibe, but is also like just deeply like sardonic. (laughs) Just very strange. I'm like, I don't, who is this man? Um, and then he dated Tommy Lyron for a hot minute. So that was fun. <laughs> what other wag stuff do we have? Sam, I think you have something about. Uh, 
Yeah, nothing like nothing scandalous. I think Kevin Fiala and Jessica John got married. And R.I.P. girls gave everywhere. Her, yeah. That man. So attractive. <laughs> and then uh I think Shay Theodore got engaged. Oh, interesting. Oh. I wonder where they'll get married. I wonder if never mind. Don't say you it can't. Now. You can't go halfway. Yes, I can. <laughs> Save it for the Patreon. I support women's rights and I support women's wrongs. <laughs> and like I said before, that wrongs are me being a bitch. <laughs> uh, that's our that's our wag update for the week. Um, we need to get another Brock Besser update. I want to know what's happening with him. The thing is, like, I'm no longer like, willing recently. to like go into the depths of like going through Tumblr puck bunnies. Um, I don't get on Tumblr and like. So months. I don't like get any intel yeah. anymore. Yeah. Yeah. actually like because they're all crazy and like also it's just like really difficult to find their blogs anymore. Mm. I know it was like they just all vanished. Yeah. Hmm. Bring bring them back. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, give me the gossip. Um, okay, so lastly, three stars of the week, Mallory. Okay, I guess this is continuing into our WAGS discussion that we are going into. But my stars for the week <laughs> are Brittany Matthews and Jackson Mahomes, who should be left alone. Leave them alone. Everyone wants the Bengals to win because they think that Jackson and Brittany are annoying. Jackson is very annoying, Mallory. Okay, Jackson is just literally living his life. If your older brother was like like the best quarterback, would you not just like absolutely be riding his coattails? Absolutely. And just making weird little TikTok videos? Good for him. Good for him. Good for Jackson Mahomes. And also all of the wags love him because he's just one of the girls. Like, literally, um, I'm obsessed with Kayla, who is uh, Travis Kelsey's girlfriend, and she, like, is always posting Jackson on her story. She loves Jackson. Obviously, Brittany is um, uh, Patrick Mahomes' fiance, and a bunch of people are mad at her um, for after the Bills and Chiefs played on Sunday, and the Chiefs won, and obviously it was very exciting. She was spraying champagne out of her box, and... People were mad because it like got on, like she was like kind of spraying it on the fans beneath, and they were like, "It's cold. It was disrespectful," etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, shut up. It's fine. <laughs> it's she was just whatever. living her life. She's literally just living her life. Her um, fiance was having a romantic moment with Josh Allen on the field. Yeah, while her fiance was having a romantic moment with Josh Allen, she was spraying champagne, champagne. out of the box. Um, so. It's fine. Um, also, people like get mad at her for allegedly being annoying, and also like I'm definitely putting allegedly in there because I'm not going to say that Jackson is not annoying. <laughs> I'm saying you should just let him do what he wants. Um, but like people get mad at her and are like, "Oh my god, she's like always like on like his arm or whatever," and it's like, yeah, she's been with him for so long. Like they've been dating since college. They like, I don't know. Just leave both of them alone let and them let them live. do what they want. And obviously, like, Patrick likes them. So you should like them, too, if you like Patrick. 
don't think Patrick cares. I think Patrick just likes football. Well, uh, yeah, but obviously, like, he loves his girlfriend. He probably loves his brother. And, like, he didn't, like, ban it. He's not, he's not Aaron Rodgers. Like, he doesn't, like, hate his brother. So. They've reconciled. (laughs) They've apparently reconciled over being fucking idiots. So that's really cool and cute for them. Well, also because Shailene Woodley's, like, we agree to disagree about politics or whatever. I don't know. Regardless, that's just my star for the week, which is multiple things. So. Georgia, do you okay. have anyone? Yeah, my star for the week is, and it comes from uh, the, just the greatest exchange that I saw this morning when I logged on to the twitter.com. Uh, so my star of the week is uh, a Twitter person who I don't follow, maybe I should, uh, but it just popped up on my feed. Uh, their name is Kit, it is at Josty17. They just tweeted this morning, didn't even like tag anyone, just tweeted, Av's book club, but it's forcing them to read the Playmaker series in brackets, the smut novel series that is loosely based on their team, to which the Colorado Avalanche Twitter account commented, the what? And then they replied by linking the series, which I think is the greatest moment. Is it like a romance novel like series? It's a, it's just like fully smut. Like it's just a... Like it is not published. Like it is like... It's like, I think it's thing. like... Uh, no, I think it's like Kindle Unlimited. So like self-published oh, okay. situation. Yeah. So like, I don't know how that's ranked on the higher. This is a crossover. Level. We're going to read this and do it on PodCute. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I will not um, be joining you. <laughs> there's like, for, we do actually need to, we, ha- we had a conversation with Spencer Gillis about this, but we should probably talk one day about like why hockey is like the number one, like fanfic like sport (laughs) it's really fascinating anyway uh so uh i hope that the colorado avalanche enjoy reading about their little smutsy it's not by number of words though because there is a girl who has been writing in the formula one um i was gonna say fan fiction fandom but i don't think there is one other than her just writing this five million words of sebastian Vettel and mark weber slash fic um, I tried to read it. It is not good. I consulted with somebody who's read a lot more of it, assuming that out of the seven years she's been writing it, she's improved her writing. Cause like, you know, 10,000 hours or whatever. No, apparently she really like was like, these are the parts about writing that I like, and I'm going to stick to them. She's not gotten but any better at writing. Um, it is literally 5 million words and she's still publishing it. Incredible. So dedication. I just hope like, it's just yet another moment. Sports through female gaze. You love to see it. And I hope the Colorado Avalanche embrace and appreciate. There's there's a 100% chance that Eric Johnson is reading this. Yes. With that's Gabriel Landeskog. Like, they're reading this together. Yeah, That's horrible, and I hate that. <laughs> His Instagram handle is big horny. Like, okay, there's no Okay, but way. do you, like, no, were you in the trenches when Eric Carlson was on Tumblr? Because yeah. oh, that was God, not good. Yeah. That was there, not like, good. needs to be a wall. No, I legitimately started reading a romance novel once and the opening of it was, it was like a hockey team. I think it was in Seattle and the, the main, like the captain of the team or whatever had to do like a fake relationship PR thing because they had been caught in a Uber bitching about the coaches. And I was like, was this the one that was was literally just like find and replace Sidney Crosby, Alex Ovechkin no, 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 fanfic. Because no, no, no. you told me that you read that as well. No, that's a we, different one. 
literally Georgia said she read like 200 books this last year, but like, I really want you to not be that impressed because they've been stuff like this. Um, very few have been that. That's like the most highly recommended romance book, which is pretty wild. It's like, that is yeah, sitting yeah she said it was really highly recommended. She's like, yeah, but it is very clearly. No, just, it's one, it's like literally 100%. <laughs> it's like, it's anyway, we are animals. getting off topic. Sam, anyway. give your star. Um, my third, my star of the week is, sorry, my, she's freaking out again. Um, my star of the week is Emily Cassingate. Which is low hanging fruit, but Sloan, you wear a merch. You have to be one with the pod. Sorry, she's fine now. Uh, so my star of the week is Emily Cassingay for being the second second woman AGM in NHL history. But also because I real what I really enjoyed from her hiring was like the number of dudes who decided to log log onto Twitter and cry about it. I'd be like is she even qualified? Why are you hiring based on gender? Like, thank you for bringing us that level of entertainment of just like the absolute stupidest fucking people. Um, I tweeted about this. I had like three different people be like, I haven't seen anything negative. Like there's literally, I searched for it and there's nothing negative. It's like, I don't know what you're reading, but that's negative. If you're questioning whether a former NCAA player who has an actual law degree and was called to the bar is qualified as opposed to like some dude who played hockey. It's very true. So that's my star of the week. Okay. That's all we have for you this week. Uh, we will be back next week, probably with more bullshit because it's hockey. Um, so you know where to find us. If you don't know where to find us at this point, that would be very concerning. But please, as always, let us know if you have any feedback, if you have any stories, if you have anything you want us to talk about, let us know. And yeah. Oh, also consider signing up for our Patreon. I think we're watching Miracle. Or the yeah, we're going to do a movie series. I haven't decided. That'll be soon. Yeah. All right. I'm going because she's going to lose it. Yep. Okay, bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Bye.